This is Tripod, New Orleans at 300. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson. So this is the final episode of Tripod. I cannot believe it. I really can't. And for these past three years, we've been telling stories about New Orleans. And, you know, there's something else I can't believe, that I spent these past three years telling stories about New Orleans without knowing something pretty important. Before this place was ever called New Orleans, it already had a name. Bobancha. Bobancha. Balbancha. Bobancha. The people I talked to for this episode use this name when they tell people where they live. They live in Bulbancha. Hi, my name is Virginia Richard. Jeffrey Derensburg. Monique Verdin. Ozone 504. My name is Devin. I am Chief Shaka Zulu. Sierra Lagarde. My name is August Coco Cropel. These are the people telling today's story, what it's like living in present-day Bulbancha, and what it's been like as a Native person seeing the city celebrate the tricentennial, the city's colonial beginning. Bruh. <laughs> Dude, this was a city before you guys got here. Sorry to tell you. The tricentennial really did a disservice to all of us by not stepping back and really recognizing what this 300 years means in a greater context of time. The history of this land and of this water didn't begin 300 years ago. Because when the French showed up, they were already coming into an area where it was kind of already prepared. Like people were already living here. They didn't have that much to do. It just showed up to the party and crashed it. Today, tens of thousands of Native people live in Louisiana. We're just going to hear from a few of them. This isn't an overview of Native history or anything like that. It's Native people telling their stories and their versions of this city's story. In our final episode, they have the last word. This is New Orleans 300, Bulbancha 3000. Introductions. My name is Virginia Richard. That's my legal name, and I also am known as Bejahoya. My tribe is the Moa Band of Choctaw. When I was a baby, obviously I don't remember this, my dad and my uncles went to the sweat lodge and prayed about, I guess, what name I should have. And uh, one of my Creek uncles gave me the name Bejahoya, which means dove. My dad insists that that's my real name, that that's what I should introduce myself as. Because growing up, I'd be like, yeah, my name's Virginia or Jenny, whatever, however old I was, and depending who I was talking to. And he'd be like, and tell them your real name, Bitch Ahoya. My name is Monique Verdin. I am 38 years old, and I sit on the tribal council for the United Homa Nation right now. You know, most of our our Bauerhoma communities are found at the ends of the bayous, at the edge of these parishes where water and the land are, are meeting, and sometimes, you know, one is the other. My name is Devin. I currently live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I am from the United Homa Nations. I am 25. My father, I'm native through him, and he left at a very young age for me. So my mom tried her best to kind of keep me in that atmosphere and she would bring me to powwows as like a three four-year-old little girl and uh, she would buy me like the deerskin dresses with the regalia the 
bone chokers and all this other stuff. She tried, but it just got to a point where she couldn't make all the powwow. So I just started like having this weird craving of wanting to find out more. Helito, hello. My name is August Coco Cropel. I'm chief of the United Homo Nation. I'm 57 years old. I live in Gretna, Louisiana. I was born and raised on the bayou in Lafitte. Ever since I was a little boy, my grandparents raised me and told me about my native heritage and showed me our native ways, you know, and that's how we pass things down generation to generation. I'm Jeffrey Derensberg, tribal council person, head of the alligator clan of the Atakapa Yushak Nation. My family's from a mixed family, largely from many of our family members immediately are in Point Capit Parish, Louisiana. And that is a place where the Creole mixed population is native and French and West African. And we had many native customs. And I think we just more thought of ourselves as Creole or just colored people. My nom de guerre is Ozone 504. I didn't grow up in Louisiana. <laughs> My family's from the mountains of East Tennessee, and I'm of uh, Monacan, Lene Lenape, and Saponi descent. I am Chief Shaka Zulu. I am 50 years old, and my tribe is Golden Feather. My grandfather was uh, a Washington, which I trace back to the Washita, and his father was a Washington, and actually his father was a Washington. And they all come from um, the area that we call the Ninth Ward today. I could at least go back to three grandfathers being from this land that we call um, New Orleans today. But I also found that there were other parts of my heritage and tradition that came from the Hausa in Nigeria. So, you know, I'm proud to say that this is basically a combination of uh, indigenous folk here in Louisiana as well as folk from the continent of Africa. My name is Sierra Lagarde. I'm 27 years old. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm a member of the Bayou Lacombe Band of Choctaw. Now, my family, the upper band of Choctaw, we lived on the North Shore um, in Bayou Lacombe, Babita Springs. We were a very large um, band, but even then we used the lake as a trade route to trade up and down. It was a very rich place. You know, we traded all up and down the Mississippi Valley, and tribes came all the way as far north as Illinois Valley, all the way down here to New Orleans. And it was a giant, you know, place of different languages, just like it is in New Orleans today. It was the same way back then. The name. New Orleans was called Balbancha pre-colonization. And that word means land of foreign languages. I think it's really important that we call things by their real names. And to me, that's the real name of this place. And it continues to be a new word for people that I share it with. And lifelong New Orleanians are like, what? <laughs> when you're in New Orleans, you know, and you hear someone's, well, you know, its original name was Place of Many Tongues or Many Languages. You think like, oh, that's what it is. Like, that's, it's like such a perfect description of the place. I use it in my return address when I address mail. I, I try not to use the word New Orleans because why, why, why use New Orleans? What, who's to say New Orleans? I mean, like, it may sound like a radical notion, but who's to say New Orleans exists? Just because white people decided it's called this place? 
I mean, if a white person showed up at my house and renamed my cat randomly, you know, with a gun in his hand, it would do nothing to what I would call the cat, you know? So uh, it's no different for this area. Tradition. I can definitely remember my grandparents when I, you know, maybe around 10, 11, 12, when I started kind of being like, where are we from? Like being, basically being like, we're from right here. When I was a kid, I was sick all the time. But this time I must have been very sick because I remember being in bed and sleeping and being woken up to the smell of, if my memory serves me correctly, sage maybe or sweet grass that my dad was burning right next to me so my mom was kneeling by the bed praying and my dad was burning this and saying his prayers and I woke up like disoriented like what are y'all doing here what's going on and they were like we're praying for you and I was like okay well whatever so my grandmother she always had long hair when I was a little girl, she was really kind and let me not brush my hair during the week except for on Sunday. When it came time to cut your hair, though, the, the rule, I guess, is that you cut your hair with the new moon and it makes your hair grow. And I'm not 100% sure of why we, we do this, but when you cut your hair to bury it in a place that is your home in a particular way, it's pretty mystical. You know, I mean, hair is kind of wild and weird. And yeah, that connection to it and kind of putting those roots from your head in the ground. <laughs> I have long hair. <laughs> it grows very fast because I cut it with the new moon. <laughs> Mixed identities. I'm a whole bunch of different things, but native is one of the more prominent ones that I'm extremely proud of. They're always like, you're so exotic. What are you? Where are you from? Are you like Pacific Islander or something? And I'm like, no, no, I am not. <laughs> Sorry to burst your little bubble there. White dudes, they just always want to sit there and they try to be flirtatious, I guess. And they're like, you're so exotic. What are you? Like, um, really, because you're the one that's a little bit more exotic, honestly, with your blonde hair and your blue eyes and your pale, pale skin, buddy. <laughs> you're looking a little foreign to my land. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> people often think I'm Middle Eastern or people talk to me a lot in Spanish. We're incredibly mixed. And people that identify as white and black are very often mixed native as well. And if you look at me, I look just like my dad, who's native and Cajun, but I have light skin. So if you don't know what you're looking at, it looks like I'm just like another white person. It made me really self-conscious at a young age because people would automatically question who I said I was. And I felt like I had to defend that. And sometimes I still do. I think in some ways in Louisiana, many populations who are of mixed ethnicity don't like to talk about the complexities of that mixture because I'm descended from Native people and people who colonized Native people. I'm descended from enslaved African people. 
I'm descended from white people who enslaved Africans. I'm descended from people of color who had enslaved people uh, in this area, which isn't that uncommon. And I think that there are people who are of mixed ethnicity in Louisiana who are white passing, who just decide just to accept that. Native Americans didn't get citizenship until the 1920s. So if you could assimilate as white or black, you did. And that was a matter of survival for many people. So many people did not get handed down the history of who they truly were and have assimilated and adapted into other cultures. A lot of these other cultures, like being Cajun, for example, are heavily influenced by Native cultures and languages. Unfortunately, there's not really a large understanding of that within the communities of people that identify as such. The thing that's really kind of aggravating about Homa, to me, in my mind anyway, is that for the most part, you can look at a lot of the people that are there and they don't realize that they have native ancestry because you can look and see it in their face and their hair and their physical appearance, but they grew up white. To them, they are white with just like a gnarly tan or something. <laughs> so they don't even realize that they have native ancestry. So there's a weird cognitive dissonance going on in Homa, and I can't stand it. <laughs> we didn't go away. We didn't vanish. We didn't die off. What happened to us is we intermixed with the population, as what happened to a lot of Louisiana natives. We just intermixed with the French and the Spanish and the Africans. You know, a lot of evidence of that is from the people who still live here today. You know, you have people live still, like old families that are in Treme, that are descendants from the Hachapatula, from the Hachafakti, and from the Lorabana Choctaw, you know, who just kept marrying black each generation, but they still kept that native identity from their mothers. And so with that, uh, I still see an identity in New Orleans from that, you know, not just the street names, um, but that also transcends to the Mardi Gras culture today. When those Africans that arrived here were enslaved, they ran off into the, the maroons or the nations or the swamp areas of the uh, indigenous native people. They would hide us, and also not just hiding us, it was finding out that most of those cultures were more similar than different, and in, even in some cases, uh, making families together. <clears throat> so when that period was over, the way that the African that came through paid homage to the indigenous nations for helping them during that period was to create a subculture that was based on the paying of the homage of the indigenous cultures that were already here. So that's why many people started calling us Mardi Gras Indians. Erasure. I do remember always referring to natives in the past tense, even though I am native, because that's just like what everybody did. You know, it was like back in the day. For some reason, the general population can't seem to get it into their head that, no, Native Americans, we are still here. And it's really odd because as a tour guide and I start to talk about it, I'll be like, you know, I'm Native American, too. And give them like a little brief rundown of some of the things that my tribe experienced here. Oh, they're obviously surprised. Yeah, the look of shock on their face are just like, 
Wow. Okay. You're really native? Are you sure? It's like, you want me to prove it to you? I have the paperwork. <laughs> I've been registered since the day I was born, so I don't know what to tell you. I get a lot of comments from people that kind of show this lack of understanding or awareness. One gentleman I was discussing the Bayou Bridge pipeline with, he was pro-oil and gas, and I'm arguing the other side, but I'm trying to find common ground with him. And his argument was, if you don't want the oil or gas, do you want us to go back to like Indian days living in teepees? And I was like, first off, sir. There were no TVs around here. Well, I, I didn't. That didn't get out of my mouth because I, I had to. I had to fix my face. I had to fix my face. I had to hold my tongue. I came up with some kind of really diplomatic answer, but there's a lot wrong with that statement. <laughs> there's a lot. I remember one person asked me if I spoke Indian, and I said, well, which language? And he said, there's more than one? That was another time that I think I had to fix my face. I learned that the people I'm descended from don't exist. I mean, I read a thing from the Smithsonian saying there were maybe like 30 Atakapan people living in a village somewhere. There are like four or five different tribes, probably 1,800 enrolled members. It's in the interest of the continuation of settler colonialism in the United States to continue to pretend that Native people don't exist because if they don't exist, they no longer have rights to their land. There's a constant, nonstop attempt to erase Native peoples and the history of Native peoples from the Americas that is ongoing. It's not just a part of the past, but it's an ongoing process that Native Indigenous people are constantly pushing back from. The Tricentennial. Honestly, I think that we have become so accustomed to being forgotten that it wasn't surprising that the tricentennial would come out of the gates and not recognize the indigenous people of this place and not recognize that instead of the NOLA 300 signs, we should have bull bunch of 3,000. So this whole 300 needs to stop being um, European-centric, you know, and start looking at the other contributors that, that got us to 300. You have the uh, the Tunica Biloxi, uh, who used to be a separate tribe, but then they've um, formed together. You have the much older tribes, which unfortunately aren't here anymore, but you have the Bayugula, the Tanchapahoa, the Apalusa, the Okaloosa. You have um, the Atakapa Ishak Nation, which is still here today, um, over down in St. Landry Parish. The Four Winds Tribe of uh, Cherokee here in Louisiana. The Wachita. Oh, man, there's like, so many... There's documentation of tribes coming and meeting in the cathedral and really influencing the French population even back then. We would sell our wares down the French market and even dance with the Africans in Congo Square. You know, a lot of that culture really isn't talked about. You know, where do you think the filet came for your gumbo? That came from our sassafras trees. 
a lot of that isn't talked about, but you know what? That when I think of 300, like I think of all of that history. It's been kind of like a treasure hunt for me, you know, just to think of like these specific sites, the French market. There's no recognition of indigenous people and their contributions to the fact that actually it was a port before Bienville came and that this was a place where trade and commerce were happening. And what did they put on top of it? A mint where they made money. And so we have this huge piece of architecture that stands there that people go into and they see and they witness all the time. Congo Square, even for the Homa nation, the majority of the Homa don't recognize that that was sacred grounds where we celebrated our annual corn harvest. The Bayou St. John, again, they have this Spanish fort, you know, but it was a village no marker there. So I think that the tricentennial just reminded me of all of these PowerPoints in our city that have been PowerPoints for centuries that we're able to recognize, you know, history is able to recognize who they want to for what purpose at what moment. The Homa Nation is the largest in Louisiana with over 17,000 plus. But, um, you know, New Orleans did recognize us in their celebration and recognize that we were here first. One of the problems we have is Spain and France recognize us as an indigenous nation, as a Native American nation, more than the United States does. We are for federal recognition. We've been up for 38 years, and it's just an uphill fight, but, you know, we continue fighting to have to prove who we were. Our people weren't allowed in schools until the 1960s because we were Indians. Now the same government that didn't let us in their buildings and their schools are saying that we have to prove who we are. You know, it's just a shame that other countries don't notice us before our own country. We owe it to our ancestors who survived one of the greatest tragedies ever possibly you know that to that the fact that they, we survived to be in the 21st century at all like we owe it to them not to allow ourselves to be erased and so I feel like I owe it to my ancestors to provide some resistance to a celebration that is essentially a celebration of the people that committed that against indigenous people I guess that's the way I feel Bolbancha. There once was a place that was surrounded by an ancient forest where buffalo roamed and big bears lived. And there also were many nations of people who lived along the mighty Mississippi River. And it was here where these different communities of indigenous people would come together and share and exchange their pottery and food and songs and stories. 
then, you know, this guy Bienville decided that those Indians had a pretty good idea and had a pretty nice spot that was on some high ground next to the Mississippi River that would be a great place to put a port city. And when they came to this place, they decided that they owned it. But there were already people living here. People who had been living here for a long time, who had really complicated civilizations and complicated relationships with each other. Those people traded here and hunted here and lived here and raised their kids here for thousands of years. And when the people came from far away, they thought the people that were here were primitive. Uh, Europeans often thought they were looking at wilderness when what they were often looking at were very carefully sculpted natural environments that just looked like wilderness to them forests that had been engineered to be more productive, um, things of that nature, waterways that had been shaped in order to be better for trade. They gave them a bunch of diseases by accident and then alcohol and then took their high ground and said it was theirs, put a wall around it and banished them, made them beg for their own land and waters. And even renamed the place started forcing people to speak new languages, absorbed what they wanted to from their culture, and then forgot that that's where they got it from. And then eventually forgot about those original people, for the most part. The Native people never disappeared. The truth is, is that you go under the Claiborne Avenue Bridge on a Sunday afternoon when there's a second line, and you look at the faces of the people who are there, and they may identify as black, but they are Atakapa, and they are Homa, and they are Shinamacha, and they are Choctaw. You go out anywhere in Louisiana, and you can see it. You know, it's still there. And some may not be identifying as Indian only, but we are still here. And so much of what this place is wouldn't be if it weren't for the Choctaw, the Biloxi, the Bayugula, the Chapatulis, the Washa, Shawasha, Shiramacha, and all the names of the nations that have been forgotten and erased, or the ones that I forgot to just say. <laughs> and that's what happened. That's how this place came to be New Orleans, as opposed to being some other place when it was Bulbancha. Tripod is a production of WWNO New Orleans Public Radio in collaboration with the Historic New Orleans Collection and the Midlow Center for New Orleans Studies at UNO. You've been hearing from Virginia Richard, Monique Verdan, Ozone 504, Jeffrey Darensburg, Chief Shaka Zulu, Chief August Krapel, Sierra Lagarde, and Devin Burgard. Special thanks to Evan Christopher for the opening theme music and to Keith Bernstein and Charles Lumar for providing all of the music you heard in today's episode. Also, thanks to Emma Collin for reporting assistance. Our editor is Eve Abrams, and our editorial team is Molly Mitchell, Jess Dorman, Connie Atkinson, Charles Chamberlain, Karen Leatham, Lee Loomis, Christina Bryant, and Denise Frazier. 
This is indeed our final episode, and it's been an absolute thrill and honor to work on this series with these people and make these stories for you. It is goodbye for now, but we'll see you soon. We're working on a tripod website that will launch in the spring of 2019, so stay tuned for that. And we may put out the occasional tripod extra here and there as well. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson, and I'll tripod you later. <laughs>